Hey everyone, and thanks for tuning in to this week's message. My name's Aaron, and I'm on the staff team here at Eastlake. Everything we do around here depends on the generous donations of our local and online community. People just like you, who tune into these messages and see great benefit from living that idea that life is a gift and love is the point. So if you love what Eastlake is up to, we'd encourage you to contribute by going to eastlakecc.com. With that, let's jump into this week's message. Today, we hear from Jason Lewis as he begins our new series, Life to the Full. Please check the description for links to our quarterly Spotify playlist and guided meditation. Well, hey everyone, and welcome to Eastlake. My name is Jason, and I'm really excited to be with you today as we kick off a brand new series called Life to the Full. And maybe you've heard the quote by Jesus, or maybe you never have, that says, I came that they may have life and life to the full. I've always loved this quote. Um, I love the idea that someone probably in this moment, right, is describing what the spiritual life, what the righteous life, what the quote unquote good life looks like. And the questioning of who is Jesus and why are you here and what does this mean? And this moment where he's just like, well, I came that they may have life and life to the full. And I think it begs for me just a question, right? Um, I think there's many interpretations of this, obviously, but for me, it always makes me ask myself, am I living my life to the full? Is this life to the full? When I look out at my broader culture, is this what I would consider a full life for all of us? And maybe because it's summer, like I'm not like the biggest seasonal guy, but <laughs> but I definitely can feel that marked difference when summer comes around and you're like, finally, the interminable gray of the Pacific Northwest, especially the spring, which has been awful. The sun comes out and you start to see everything blossom and bloom and the sun, you know, reclaims the sky and all of a sudden everything is looking at its most beautiful and most vibrant. And I do believe, right, there's a season for everything, but I also think that it's a good reminder of like, well, is my life full? Am I living to the full? Am I making of my, like Mary Oliver says, right, with our one wild and precious life, what are we going to do? And I think reading that, and and I just was remembering that quote, and it always brings me back to, ah, I should probably examine my life. I should probably think about what I'm doing and and quest out to see if this is the biggest life I have, if this is the most full life I can have. And if not, what can I do different? What could I change? What can I add? What could I maybe take away? What do I need to examine about myself, about my health, about my mindset, about my my spirituality? Whatever it is, right? I kind of I think the summer is that moment where I'm like, I want to flourish. I want to grow. And I want to be and live inside the best life that I possibly can. And so as I began doing this, I realized that for many people, right, there's many interpretations of what a full life is, you know, and even who we are in different phases of our life, it changes. And what was once a full life to us or felt 
like a very vibrant life at a certain age or a certain phase of life changes dynamically as our life changes. I think about like, you know, when I was 13, a full life probably would have been like, you know, (laughs) video games, basketball, maybe like a Snickers bar and like the monthly Victoria's Secret catalog. (laughs) But then like, you know, I turned 20 and it was like, I was really into church and working out and reading just a ton of philosophy. It was very much like a growth phase. I could tell I was like going through that very big existential crisis of like, who am I? What am I supposed to do? You know, the world's big and scary. Um, And now that I'm 30, it's my relationships and it's um, time with my kid, time with my friends, um, my creative projects and things I do. And, you know, the monthly Victoria's Secret catalog. I'm, I'm kidding. It's just, <laughs> we've come full circle. No, um, but the point is, right, is like who we are in those moments, who we become over time changes. And what would make our life full is very different. I mean, if I was younger, I think having a child in my teens, it would probably not be seen as this very lovely, full, beautiful, remarkable gift. As much as it may feel that way, I may also feel um, probably pretty stressed because, where I was in terms of my own self-discovery and knowing my path through the world and what made my life feel meaningful, I was very naive to. Um, And so, you know, fortunately now at my age, I have my kid, I have my friends, I have my relationships, and my life does feel very full. But what I've also noticed is is that there's many people living lives alongside mine um, that are very different. And many of them are my very close friends. And I'm, I'm always enamored and interested and excited for them as I watch them walk their unique path. And I think that a good spirituality and one that's vibrant and one that can really stick with us through both the ups and downs of life is one that kind of comes alongside our unique path to inspire, to encourage, and ultimately to invite you to a fuller and a bigger life. And the tricky part is, being prescriptive around what makes a full life can be somewhat challenging. Yes, there's common things, right? Integrity, relationship, love, truth, honor, you know, respect. These kinds of things um, really make a life valuable and make you a healthy and valuable person and very able to connect and build a life, right? These things do matter. But in terms of what we really draw from life, right? Those things which fulfill us and add meaning to our life, those are actually quite dynamic and they change distinctly, basically person to person. And so I want this message and I want this series to be more of a contemplation, more of an experience, more of a consideration around your own life, your own values, your own spirituality, your own pursuits in a way to to analyze and then hopefully walk away with some ideas around, ooh, that's actually where I'm getting so much of my value, so much of the fullness of my life, or you know what, should I add this thing, my life would feel so much fuller and hopefully I can cultivate the courage and take the chance to extend in that way. Or maybe it's, you know, I need to, I need to drop this thing that's in my life because either this relationship, this habit, this circumstance, or this pursuit really has kind of not left me feeling alive and fulfilled for a very long time. And I think it's really important to do a message like this and to do a series like this um, 
I always try to do something like this whenever I go through a trauma or a tragedy or I have like a really tough call. I, I work as a firefighter. And so I see a lot of hard things and sometimes they can disillusion me to the beauty that is life, to the fullness in my own life. Um, and sometimes it works the opposite way. It makes me incredibly grateful. But I think we as a culture um, just witnessed, you know, the terrible tragedy in Uvalde, Texas to that community and to those lives that were lost. And when stuff like that happens, me personally, I'm horrendously tired of it. Um, and it's really feeling like in so many ways that th this is the way it is. And I think it's so important to remind ourselves uh, that that is not the case. That life can be full, that life can be um, filled with beautiful things that we can make a life. And I always want to espouse that because I think if we aren't the people and we aren't the ones, especially the ones who are connected to a spirituality and live in a way tied with divinity and, and tied with those spiritual notions, if we can't be the people who are able to hold hope, to march forward, to find and hold love, to see life truly as a gift, I, I don't know how we can expect others to. Um, and so I hope that what this can be again is an experience where we can meditate on that which makes our life full and we can lean into it, recognizing that I think one of the ways, just one of the ways you can honor lives lost in tragedy is by living your life to the maximum. It is exactly what I would want my boy to do if I were to pass away. I would have no wish for him to shrink his life or to ruminate on the pain and suffering that it may be, but instead, right, to meditate on the beauty that remains, to maximize each breath he's given, and in so doing, honor the life that I had. And I think that when we do that, we remind ourselves again that we can make the world as we see fit, that we can make our lives full and the lives of other people as full as they could ever be if we are aware enough, honest enough, and courageous enough to do so. So as I began this process, I started just like looking at my friends' lives. And I kind of realized that, like I said, so many of them move through the world differently. But more than that, what I realized is, is they each really find something that speaks to them actually at like a spiritual level. And it's so different from, <laughs> from other, like each person's so unique and I loved it. And it kind of woke me up to like this recognition that there's like these groups. Um, and, and I'm sure I'm not saying anything super novel, <laughs> but at the time it felt very profound to see other people walking through life deeply connected and fulfilled in the way that they honor their unique path, their unique interests, their passions, and the way that they connect to spirituality. And so as I list these off, um, I'll follow them up with some quotes. And I just kind of want us to think about each one of these groups, people we know in them, maybe we're included in this group, um, and to kind of remind ourselves or awaken ourselves to the truth that we are deeply moved here, that these things do fill our life and that the meditation on them builds gratitude, it builds joy, it can build happiness and humor and excitement uh, and I think a sense of peace 
around our lives and our lives being full. So take a breath with me. Try to center yourself. Let's go into this process of beginning to kind of examine these different paths and ways that are roads to life to the full. So maybe you've met someone who I might call a naturalist, right? These people are commonly tied to nature, hiking, climbing, gardeners, farmers. They're the sunset and star chasers, the people who find deep meaning in connection with the earth, its wisdom, and its seasons. It makes me think about John Muir, who's a very, very famous naturalist, as he says, and into the forest I go to lose my mind and find my soul. Maybe you know someone like this. I have a number of friends who their life is about being in nature as often as they can because that is the place. And my son is very much this way. If all he could do was hunt snakes and catch frogs, (laughs) that is all he would do. He feels the most alive in that space. Maybe you know the spiritualists, right? I think a lot of those people live here. They're in this community at Eastlake, um, and they speak here and teach here, and they're members here. Um, They're the people who prize connection with the divine, the mystical sort of faith, the yogis, the shamans, the group who finds the biggest life in connection with spirit in its various forms, mindfulness, meditation, those kinds of things, right? I think about Thich Nhat Hanh who says, if we are not fully ourselves, truly in the present moment, then we miss everything. I think that idea of presence, maybe you know someone like that, or maybe yourself, you're at times like that where you're really in the room, you're really in your skin, and you all of a sudden wake up to the profound reality that, whoa, what a remarkable gift it is to be here, to witness this, to participate, to have love, to have friends, to have family, to get to see and hear and hold and all those things that feel very, very lucky. And I think that's why we say here at Eastlake that life is a gift and that love is the point. Hey Eastlake, Peter here. Thanks so much for tuning in to watch this message. I wanted to do just a quick interruption to say thank you to so many of you who are making regular contributions to Eastlake. Eastlake is a nonprofit and everything that we do is because of a community of consistent and generous people who really believe in this place and want to see it continue. So uh, if you're a part of that community, thank you for how you make this place go. If you are tuning in regularly and are part of this community, but you haven't yet um, jumped in to making a financial contribution, we would encourage you to do that and encourage you to go to eastlakecc.com to help support Eastlake as a community and continue to make these messages possible. Thanks so much for uh, letting me interrupt your message. Let's jump back in. Maybe you know the somatists, right? I kind of fit in this group a little bit. They're the healthy body folks, right? Eating right, exercise, flexibility, hormone regulation, sport, dance, movement, breathing, touch, right? Cold baths, hot saunas. These are the people that are very, very much in belief that the way we hold our body, the way we take care of it, that that is the base and foundation of everything. 
the founder of Pilates, Joseph Pilates, has this quote, and he says, physical fitness is the first requisite in happiness. <laughs> and it's so funny, right? When you think about even just already, you can tell like this person's moving through the world and their body is kind of the thing they're using to divine the spiritual and full life. And Thich Nhat Hanh is using presence and awareness, right? And the naturalists are using nature to find their way. Maybe you are a creative and for you it's painting, right? Sculptures. Maybe it's the dramatics of like a Shakespearean play, right? Or film, like an art film, like a David Lynch thing or a, a story as told by a famous voice or a piece of literature, a poem, right? I think about Michelangelo who says, the true work of art is but a shadow of the divine perfection. The idea that art is in some way the spiritual way of expressing, the divine's way of communicating beauty and life and love into the world. Um, and sometimes, right, stories of grief and loss and that it is art. Maybe you've even heard the quote, art imitates life, life imitates art. That it's a way of expressing what's really going on here. What are we really a part of? I know that I feel that way when I see a great film or I hear a wonderful song or I you know, see a play. I'm always reminded of how remarkable it is that we're such a storied people and that we communicate so much and that these stories give our lives so much meaning. And most sacred texts are stories as well. Maybe you are someone or know someone who's a relationalist, right? Everything for them, and I fall heavy in this camp, everything for them about a full life comes from their connections to people, to their children, to their partners, to their friends and family, that it is the measure and manner in which we hold, love, show up for, care, and participate in relationship that really is the root of a full life. And I'm very much a sucker for this one. I'm partial to this one. Um, I think most of us are, but there are some of us, I think, who if that's all they could do, that's all they do. And I know I feel that way about my son. And I, I, it reminds me of this quote from Mother Teresa. who says, what can you do to promote world peace? Well, you can go home and love your family. This basic idea that all of the good that flows in the world, this peaceful notion that could exist here, flows out of the understanding that the way we cultivate and love and show up in our families and in our communities is the root cause and one of the foundational pillars of a world at peace. I think about the traditionalists, and I have many friends like this. My uncles come to mind. My grandmas come to mind, right? Classic religion, sacraments, holy days, family, and cultural traditions. I think about C.S. Lewis who says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. That there are these people in the world who their connection to their, their spirituality and their religious practice acts as the focal lens for what to care about, what to see, how to value, how to live, how to love, and how to move and build a life that's full as it is articulated, expressed, and also demonstrated inside these religious texts and in these traditions. 
I think about the intellects. These are the people that like to debate and dialogue, philosophy, religion, logic, data, stoicism, right? And these are the kinds of people, or I didn't mean to say, sorry, I meant to say reason. I apologize. <laughs> but I meant to say, uh, and not that there's not intellectual uh, <laughs> pursuits inside the religious field, but just these are the people that are kind of the hard intellectuals, right? I think about Socrates who says the unexamined life is not worth living, right? These are the deep contemplators, the people that sit there and think and think and think and think and think. And we're very fortunate to have them because often they discover profound things, right? These are the people that find the divine in science, in biology, in chemistry, in DNA, in the miracles and medicine, these people look to testable, measurable, and repeatable truths as these foundational parts that tell you what life is made up of. And once you know what life is made up of and how precious and how rare and how mathematically improbable it all is, wow, do you feel so grateful to be a part of it? And how full does your life feel? Maybe you know the pleasurists. I've got a couple homies like this, right? They want to eat the very best food, right? They drink the finest wine. They want the best sweets and desserts, right? Good tobacco, world-class sex, unbelievable movie-like romance, right? Sunbathing, lounging, travel, right? Fine clothes, right? And I think it (laughs) reminds me of Bukowski who said, I want the whole world or nothing right? Like that person who I think finds such joy in those things. And I get it. Like maybe we can reduce that and maybe we can criticize it. But I also think we've all had that moment where like we think we know what food is and then we go somewhere and we eat something where someone who's one of these people has prepared it. And all of a sudden you're transported somewhere or it's shown you that you thought you knew the experience. You thought you knew what food was or wine was or beauty was. And then you see it and you taste it, and you're absolutely floored. And you think to yourself, this has made this moment so much more profound, so much better. I think about the lightning rods, right? The people who fight for a cause, the reformers, the revolutionaries, the ones who need to shake things up, right? Who love a fight and who also seek justice for other people the public servants and the advocates for people who have a hard road here. And that is a unique person whose life is filled up with taking a conflict head on and seeking to change it. I think those people are very rare, but they're also the kinds of people who I think because they see everything around them as so valuable. And I know I feel this way, and especially in relation to any tragedies that befall our country, a huge sense of responsibility to fix it. And there's an old civil rights leader named Fannie Lou Hamer. She's a tough gal. And she has a famous quote, and she says, you can pray until you faint, but until you get up and try to do something, God won't put it in your lap. And I think those people who take on the fight on behalf of other people, there's someone who make their life and the lives of other people very full to know we're not alone. 
that there's a collection of human beings in this world that for them, the full life is one that is looking for problems to fix. And I resonate quite deeply with this group. And then the last one I'll mention, right, is the visionaries, right? These are the altered state seekers, right? Perspective shifters, spiritual questing, um, sensory deprivation and sensitization, tantra, acid, vision quests, you know, ayahuasca journeys, right? These are the people that have an understanding or an experience that there's something beyond this. And it is the participation in that that widens and broadens their horizons. And it's how you get a Ram Das. It's how you get a lot of brilliant minds. Even Bob Marley has this famous quote where he says, when you smoke the herb, it reveals you to yourself. And I think these people, they fill their life and they find life to be so much bigger. And they have a sense that life is so much deeper than the rest of us. And how to get there the tricky road of how deep does something go? How deep does love go? How deep do our own wounds go? How much healing do we really have to do as individuals, as a people, as a culture? And a lot of those lovely answers and a lot of that wisdom flows out of those that community. And I think that if we look at these groups, and I want to be very clear, I know there's more groups than this, and I'm sure I'm missing someone, right? But I think when we think about this, life in this way, we can see all the ways that we kind of touch each of these groups. Maybe there's a part of this that we're like, oh my God, when I was younger, that was like a really big thing for me. Or like, oh, right now I'm really in this kind of group where this is adding so much to my life. But maybe we also see the ways in which certain things aren't working for us. They're not fulfilling us. They're not drawing us toward a life to the full. And maybe it's because we've neglected something, forgotten how to do something, or we lack the bravery to step out and to pursue that which we know would mean a great deal to us. And I think one of the things we have to be aware of is that there's a quote, I'll say this, there's a quote from Brene Brown that I really like. And she says, beware taking advice from someone whose life you wouldn't wish to have. And... I think about that sometimes that in culture we elevate voices and it's not that they're bad, but it may be that their path through the world, that their connection to spirituality, that their life to the full isn't ours. And so what they say may not be truly relevant to us. And I think sometimes because we regard people, we respect them, we may revere what they've accomplished and yet they, they have a different roadmap. Their map, right? May be the, you know, the somatist, it's a fitness or a health or whatever oriented thing, or maybe for them, it's an artist thing. And we're very much an analytical person, but we really love what they did. And we can maybe include that and maybe find a way to integrate into our life, but that our path is different. And that I think one good piece of wisdom is that is to remember that we have to try to model and live lives that fulfill us, that find us in that state of life to the full, whatever our unique roadmap is. And to trust that that's good, excuse me, to trust that that's good enough. Um, I think I went through many years in my life where how to know if you're a good person, how to know if the path you've picked is right. And I always loved this quote from Henry David Thoreau who says, and I think he nailed it, where he just says, to thine own self be true. And I think in a time and in an era where there's so many voices, 
so many loud things, so many people to listen to, to pay attention to, podcasts to hear, talkers, self-help books, groundbreaking technology, all these things. What can get lost in the shuffle is that you, that the divine made you as a unique thing and that you've been handed an intuition, a way of seeing and it can expand or contract relative to the amount that you wish to participate and expand and contract it. But also, even still, you were crafted in a particular way. And that to acknowledge that, to make peace with that, and then to take joy in the path that we uniquely have, I think is the first and most foundational part of living a life to the full. Not comparing ourselves to other people, for that person may have more money. They may have more notoriety. They may, you know... I don't know what it is. Whatever it is, they may be living this life and their map and path is one way. Their life to the full is a different means. I I, I loved reading Bukowski. I could never l- live like the guy, right? I loved reading Hunter S. Thompson and how crazy his life was, how adventurous and nutty. I'm like, yeah, it seems cool and I'd love to model that level of bravery. I, frankly, I could never do it, Right. And I see that in so many ways. And then what I notice is sometimes people reduce themselves to thinking that what they do, the path they're on, or what brings their life fullness, might not be as valuable. And they try to do things that are inauthentic or maybe don't truly speak to them. So this is hopefully a reminder. And it wakes you up to the preciousness, value, and need for all these groups and all these kinds of people that whoever you are and that wherever you're at, that a vibrant spirituality, that a life to the full, is one where we honor, acknowledge, live inside, and remain deeply grateful for who we uniquely are and what uniquely makes our life feel full. So I really hope that today was a moment for you to begin to examine, to question, to get curious about what makes you you, what makes your life full, and what maybe you could add, begin, take away, try, go and see that might add to the wonder that your life and the gift that your life already is. In the coming weeks, we're going to do some amazing conversations with different people who live very different lives from one another, um, from me, and to hear how they navigate this, these connections and these relationships and these differences and what's really happening to them and what's really making their life. And I hope it continues to inspire you, especially in this summer season and especially as we head toward warm weather and beautiful days. I hope this is a, uh, an element in your life that helps to inspire your continued thriving, blossoming growth and the love of your own life and life as a whole. So thank you for participating. Thank you for listening to me. And I so wish you a great week and I'll see you soon. Take care. Peace. Thank you for joining us. To make a donation, head to eastlakecc.com slash donate.